All righty. Hey, uh, so Sebastian wants to get baptized too. And uh, he may not be here next week, so we'll have to do baptism the week after. So we'll either try and do both together or we'll try. When are you back, Sebastian? Okay, so we might have to do Davan separately and him separately. Can't wait that long. It'll be a problem. You won't be able to read the Bible. <laughs> so we'll work on that. And then, guys, when you come up for prayer, if you uh, see prayers answered, please testify to them, eh? Um, at the church we were going to rent in Ladner, they have a big jar in which they put prayer requests. Whenever a prayer is answered, someone drops a pebble into another jar. And it's, it's nice to see one of the jars filling up. So prayers are answered, please come and um, talk about it so that the ones who are praying are encouraged, among other things. Um, I think that was it. Yeah. Okay, we said um, last time that uh, one of the things God wanted us to know was that as we now moved from Joyce and we are temporarily here for two months and then move to wherever God will hopefully give us a more permanent place, that the next 12 months or so was called the year of Joseph. The year of Joseph, that's what we said. So, just want to do a one-off thing on Joseph this, this week, and then we'll continue with another topic that I want you to look at uh, when you go home. Read Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Acts 2, 22. Uh, just want to touch on that for a second before I start with this. One of the things that we are seeing... Oh, by the way, these are offering boxes, not uh, sound boxes. So, <laughs> just in case you thought... I saw the kids jumping over it. <laughs> yeah. In case you thought it was to plug something in, it's to plug your wallets in. Yeah? So, um, Acts 2.22 says, And Jesus Christ was a man attested by God with signs and wonders and uh, miracles. That he was attested by God. And uh, without that kind of att attestation... Most of the things we say kind of begin to sound hollow. There must be power to the words that we speak. Works must accompany words. Is that how loud it is? Just so you know, there's no hub, there's no hub meetings for this month and next month. Uh, just because there's enough for everyone to do, and so we'll take a two-month hiatus from 
hub meetings. House Church is still on. Hub is off for the next little while. And then for just two months, uh, just so um, you have more time to yourself um, and perhaps can visit each other and do, do other things. Yeah, so Acts chapter 2, verse 22. We'll be starting a series on that next time because we have to see works with our words. Otherwise, um, at some point, it'll begin to, there'll be a discrepancy between what we say and what we do. So we'll talk about that starting next week. But today we'll talk about, and she named him Joseph. That's from Genesis 40, verse 23 and 24, talk about it. So what does it mean when we say year of Joseph? What does it mean for us? What happens when we say that the months ahead is a, is a time when um, God will do a Joseph for us? Is that God will add... God will add. And when God adds, he uses another word. The word is multiply. God will add or God will multiply. He will generate it. He will generate it. So kind of expect it in your life, eh? Anything that happens from God to a people affects every family, every individual. So in the different areas of your life, be they financial, relational, spiritual, begin to think like this, that in the next 12 months, I must expect things to increase for me in every realm. It's not just financial. I've seen this work many times where someone comes and speaks and says, this is what's going to happen. And then for the next while, without you having developed any extra contact, without you having gotten another new job, without you having in, made any investment, things begin to prosper. I don't know if you remember, but uh, in... Uh, in, we were at Pilgrim at that time, and for New Year's, we had Roland, Eddie, Pastor Mike, all these guys send uh, video words for the church. And one of the words that was said was, you will invest and your investments will see great profit. And I actually took that word to heart. I don't know a thing about investing. But I just trusted that what God would say would begin to happen. And the investments that were made were very simple investments, but they began to pay off big time. I was very surprised because I've got no skill. If you ask me for investment advice, I guarantee you I'll lose your money. So, and yet it began to change. Why am I sharing that uh, personal anecdote? Because sometimes when God says something to a body as a whole, if we are able to receive it and then exert a degree of faith, trusting that God is promising this, it is possible for those words to come to pass for each individual, each family. And so one of the things being said here, hey, by the way, um, just on the side, when you read Acts chapter 2, what happened when the Holy Spirit came? What is said? True, but what was the effect when the Holy Spirit came into the room? That was what happened to them. What was the... Yeah, I thought that there was a mighty rushing wind. First time I found out that there was no mighty rushing wind. It was just the sound of a mighty rushing wind. There was no wind. It was just the sound of the mighty rushing wind. And people didn't come to come and gather around because they heard the sound of the mighty rushing wind. It says they heard the sound of people speaking in their own languages. They were attracted to people speaking in their own languages, not to the mighty rushing wind. 
I think sometimes we sing songs like, come like the rushing wind. There was no wind that day. It was just a sound. And it says, the sounds of heaven. And it so happened that it was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. But it was not blowing candles out. It was just a sound. And then later on, it was the sound of people speaking in 12, 13 different languages. And people gathered around to listen because this was a very strange thing. Why did that come up suddenly? Guys, use, use the breath in our lungs and our words, uh, yeah? Sometimes without knowing you speak things for God or to God in the process. Use it, even in very simple circumstances. It doesn't have to be a shout. This has to be a whisper, but speak it. God will add. He will generate it. So expect, if you're able to um, exert faith to walk in this, then I believe it will be something that all of us can benefit from. And so I'll have to exert faith for it too. So God will add. So in creation accounts, multiplication, in all creation accounts, like if you take the first two chapters of Genesis, you'll find that multiplication is the blessing God speaks on Adam. God speaks on Adam. And then when he recreates in Genesis 11, after the flood, he again speaks that. So we, we, we need to see this as something normal for God. It's just that our experience may not say so, but let's hear the sound of heaven and let's begin to show others that this can be true for us even now. That just as Adam heard it, just as Noah heard it, just as Abraham heard it, so let it be ours too. Just as Jacob heard it, just as Jesus heard it, just as the twelve heard it on the mountain when he said, from Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Multiplication is a blessing from God. It's not some strange phenomena. He blesses this way. Your father blesses you by multiplying things. Your father blesses you by multiplying things in your life, not in someone else's life so you can talk about it, in your life. And as we say multiply, don't focus only on finances. Multiplication is on many, many different levels. For Israel, it was children and it was cattle. That might not be your favorite thing today. But he multiplies us on multiple levels, eh? Later, multiplication is promised to Abraham. It's promised to Isaac. It's promised to Israel. This is what God does. And so in Genesis 49, 22, God declares it on Joseph, declares it on Joseph. And he says to Joseph, listen, I will make you fruitful. So another word for multiplication, if you want to get rid of the math, which I'm sure brings nightmares even today for many of us, another word for multiplication is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. How about that? Being fruitful. Again, being fruitful is not with regard to children or with regard to a business. Being fruitful is in every area. Don't you want that? To be fruitful. These are blessings of your father. These are not strange things in the Old Testament. It's for us now. To be fruitful. And so fruitfulness is another word for multiplication. And he says to 
Joseph, Joseph, you're a fruitful uh, branch. And so, you know what Joseph does? See, here's how you believe and walk in something. God says to Joseph, hey, man, Prashant, you're sitting with your arm around here too now, huh? Not bad, not bad. You guys are married. <laughs> Before it was arms on this way. Now it's arm around. <laughs> All righty. Pavan, you keep your arms to yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, sorry. Um, yeah, so look at what Joseph does. God says to him, you're a fruitful branch. Guess what Joseph names his son? Ephraim. And you know what Ephraim means? Double fruitfulness. That's what the word Ephraim means. Ephraim means double fruitfulness. Faith shows. Faith shows in the words we speak, in the actions we take. Faith shows. What are you, what are you going to call the next 12 months in your own language, in your own ways? What are you going to call it? Joseph did that. He said... God said that I am going to be a fruitful branch. Well then, I'll name my son Ephraim. And Ephraim means double fruitfulness. That is faith. And so in the very name Joseph, what God is saying is, I will add. And God doesn't add once. I will add and I will keep adding. Because God doesn't stop, eh? I didn't pick that song deliberately, but one of the words in that song says, you fill me up and when I am full, you, what does it say? You fill me up when I am full. You give me more till I overflow. What a beautiful line. He doesn't stop because he's added. This must become our expectation. It's very hard for us to think of a God like this, but this must become our expectation. Even if two people here have this expectation, then it'll catch. Two people here have that expectation, it'll catch. In a congregation this size, you don't need more than two or three. And it'll start catching. And it's not about finances. Fruitfulness covers so many areas, beginning with the Holy Spirit and the fruit that He cultivates in our life. There is no greater fruitfulness than the fruit of Christ born in our lives. Even that is part of this. These are blessings. And this is what he's saying the next 12 months can be for you if you can receive this, Jacob. Next one is multiplication of fruitfulness. Multiplication of fruitfulness begins with God, not with man. It begins with God. It begins with God. You see that in Genesis 11. Huh? In Genesis 11, um, Nimrod gets all the people together around the Tower of Babel, and he says, let's gather together, and by coming together, we can be stronger and we can do great things. And it ended up in division. And yet, in Genesis 12, God multiplies everything through one man, Abraham. God multiplies through one man. God multiplies through one man. In Isaiah it says, look at your father and your mother. Look at the quarry that I have dug you out of. Out of one man, I created nations. So God multiplies with just one man or little oil or two fish or 
one staff. It's always with very, very little. So there's no one exempt here. No one exempt from this. That's the great thing about any blessing that God gives. Blessings of God aren't, um, aren't something that you, have certain, that you require certain qualifications for. There are some blessings that are conditional. You do this, I'll do this. And then there are some blessings that are natural. Natural to whom? Natural to him. There are some blessings that are conditional. If you obey me, I will do this. And then there are some blessings that are natural. Natural to whom? Natural to him. It is how he does things. When he blesses, it is very natural for him to take the little that you have and then increase it. You don't have to go and get more for this to happen. So start with what you have. If you're able at any point tonight or this week to go and say, okay, I want to believe this or I do believe this or help my unbelief, and then you start this process. I've seen it work, guys. Yeah. Multiplication is initiated by God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, really. The Holy Spirit initiates it. Initiates it, and then he sustains it. So how does this work? It, it, it is sustained according to your capacity. It's sustained according to your capacity. And it's sustained according to your faith. That is something that can increase or keep the blessing at a certain level. So what do you mean by that? Guys, one of the things God does is he knows he wants to bless. And then he'll say, you give them something to eat. What does he want you to do? Take the little that you have and say, all right, I trust you. Where did the oil stop when the vessels ran out? How I work with God when he has a desire to bless often depends on how my capacity is and the faith that I have. Let's just stop there if you have any questions. If I had a question, my question is, what, what do you mean by capacity? How? Capacity is increased through expectation and faith. Capacity is increased through expectation. What's your expectation? And your expectation increases through your knowledge of God. The more you know somebody, the more your expectation of them. I have different expectations of people. The more I know you, the more I can expect of you. If I needed something, the more I know you, the more I can expect from you. The less I know you, the less I can expect from you. So capacity is dependent on expectation. Capacity, capacity is dependent on expectation. Expectation is dependent on knowledge of God. The more you know him, the more you expect, the greater your capacity. And therefore, God is then able to keep, keep on, keep on, keep on. Add to that faith, and now you have a great combo. Once you have these three, exert faith. This is how people did things in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Our problem is we find it very hard to Think of a God who blesses just like that. 
It's not our experience, or it's not our present experience, both as a church at Acts 29 and churches outside. And we're not talking about wealth. Please don't confine it to wealth. Pardon? There are certain things where God says, if you do this, I will bless you. If you do this, then you will be robbed by the enemy. So that is when it's conditional. So even the blessing of eternal life is conditional. Eternal life is not mine till I receive Christ and see Christ as Lord. So his love is unconditional, but eternal life is conditional. This can't be worked in a day because it's very hard. So one has to see what one's expectation is. Here's another secret. Not a secret, but you can call it a secret. You can determine your capacity better by knowing what you are called or supposed to do. That's another small hint. If you're supposed to be someone who feeds the world, then you know that your capacity has to be to feed millions of people. If you're only supposed to feed a small daycare, then you know your capacity is much lesser. Knowing who you are supposed to be helps you figure out the capacity you must have. And that also increases. All that Gideon wanted to do was just crush some grapes for his family. That was all the capacity he needed. All the widow wanted to do was just have just enough oil to bake one more meal so that her son and she can die uh, not hungry. So an idea of who you are really helps with expanding expectation. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's another secret, but it's not really a secret. God loves turning up and inviting you to increase your capacity. So he turns up with Gideon, he turns up in a teaching, he turns up in a scripture, he turns up in a dream, he turns up in a prophetic word. God invites you into this. Why? Because greater your capacity, greater the pouring out, greater the benefit to others. So rather than get some people in his house a bottle of wine, now Gideon is setting a whole nation free. So knowing what you're about to do or what you're called to do really helps because now you know the logistics of what you need to do.
It's like, I remember the first time um, Derek went camping. Uh, he was all gung-ho. I went to two, three shops, and he was going with Matt and Rachel up a mountain. He was very excited saying he brought new shoes that he never climbed with, uh, gear that you'll sweat climbing in. But he was like one of those poster children for... Uh, and then, he, then Matt, Rachel, and Derek are going up this mountain. And uh, Matt and Rachel are hauling a lot of weight, and Derek is hauling a lot of weight. Why? Because Derek had about 300 uh, marshmallows and 72 sausages in his bag. Because he thought, <laughs> that's how you go camping. Acts 29 ate those sausages for three barbecues after that. So sometimes it's good to know what you are called to so that you can kind of fix your capacity. Another time, and th these are Derek's stories, another time we had an outreach where we invited eight people and asked Derek to organize a pizza. And he bought eight boxes of pizza. So, so it's important to know how much. That way, once you know who, what you're called to, uh, I think jokes are less funny in this building for whatever reason. <laughs> So, with a name like Alan Emmett, you have to come up with really strong jokes, otherwise it doesn't fly. Anyways, at the end of the day, one of the coolest definitions of multiplication is the transference. Multiplication is the transference of the life of God to a people that he favors. It is his life that causes multiplication. He transfers his life. Anything that he touches, multiplies. Anything that he touches springs to life. And it's the kind of life that is fruitful. It's not a life that's just Zoe life, as in come alive. Anything that he touch, touches multiplies. Somehow, if you can during the week or at some point squeeze a line of prayer saying, Father, I just am willing to believe this. Please, can you do this with my life? And then add an extra line saying, Father, it does involve money and wealth too, but I would like to go beyond that. Don't shy away from it. That's an area he wants to bless us in so that we can pour it out to others. Next one. Multiplication of fruitfulness is fueled in the context of an impossible vision, preferably. Preferably. As in, can you not just multiply for the sake of multiplying? Can you not just want fruitfulness for, you, for the sake of fruitfulness? Can it be because um, you're also approaching God saying, Jesus, we want something impossible. He loves doing the impossible. That's when he's at his best. He's at his best when you ask for something impossible. And then he begins to change you and then source you. This is why faith is required for this. This is why we only ask, we need to exert very little faith for work, job, salary. That's where most of our faith currency is spent. 
but it has to be much larger than that. And that is why we need faith to have a really big God dream. Not our own dreams. Our own dreams usually fall flat. But a God dream. It must not just border on the impossible. It should be so impossible that you're scared to talk about it to others because they may laugh. How do you know an impossible, uh, <laughs> ridiculous dream? Uh, people laugh. They just walk away thinking. <laughs> yeah. Where is the border between delusion and reality? Um, I think one of the ways is to validate it with someone you trust. That's one way. Because they know you. Not because they know uh, your failures. Not because they know uh, how skilled or unskilled you are. But they know you well enough to know that Dilna's always had this. They know something inside you that there's always this drive in him in this area. He may have failed multiple times, but there is this in him. Those kind of people may be able to validate a delusion from a real thing. And all of us have someone like that, eh? All of us have someone like that. Sometimes, if it's not your spouse, it'll be a friend or a son or a daughter or a brother. There's always someone who can validate it. I mean, you think Zipporah or Aaron trusted what Moses was saying? You think Jesus was trusted by Mary and the brothers? You think Saul was trusted by any of the apostles in Jerusalem? Barnabas had to go and get him and introduce him because no one wanted to touch him. You think David was trusted by his brothers? His brothers frowned at him. You think Joseph was trusted by his family? They sold him. But these were all people with vision. Because an impossible vision is really good substance for God to fuel with multiplication. And any vision he constructs is always to the benefit of others. It's always to the benefit of others. The older we are, the wiser we can do this. The younger ones have a lot of energy, but very little direction. They're like Saddam Hussein's missiles. You shoot them one way, they land in another country. But when it comes to being older, uh, the advantage is you have the wisdom to do things accurately with less effort. But the danger of being older is we become Barzillais, not Caleb's. We let go. This is not my thing. And Dilna, it is possible that some of them will be delusions and you'll learn the hard way. But show me a man who did not have a delusion and made it big. Take any of these guys who presently run empires, tech empires, business empires, and you will find that not one of them made it there without a mistake. That Sunday school is noisy. If you have an impossible vision, here's what happens, guys. It changes you first. It changes you. If you don't have an impossible vision, there is no need to change. 
There's no need to change. If, for instance, I'm just speaking on Aaron. If, for instance, Aaron wants to um, be a great accountant, that's not a big vision. He just wants to be a great accountant. And so, doesn't need much. But what if Aaron wants to uh, run a sports management company where he manages uh, sports personalities or uh, concentrates on one particular sport and begins to um, manage sports personalities and minor league teams and stuff like that? What if he begins to dream like that? Why am I saying this? Because there was a prophetic word on his life about it. That is an impossible, ridiculous dream. Now, Aaron will have to change and Rennie will have to change before that can happen. So one of the things with impossible dreams is it changes you before it can be activated. Otherwise, we always just run faster, stronger, or jump higher. That's not impossible. And it's a change that happens that triggers multiplication. It's a change that happens that triggers multiplication. When you change, it triggers multiplication. When you change, it triggers fruitfulness or multiplication. So did Abraham change? Yeah. When he changed, multiplication happened. Gideon changed, multiplication happened. Peter changed, was willing. First, he didn't want Jesus in his boat. No, 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 he's willing to be obedient. Throws the net on the other side. Willing to change. He's a fisherman. Multiplication happens. Next one. I'll go for another 15 minutes because we need to be out of here by 9. Just tell me eh, at 8.15 to stop. Uh, multiplication presumes humility. Multiplication presumes humility. As in, God subtracts you, God subtracts you before multiplication begins. For a Joseph here, God will subtract us, as in, he'll take away things. He'll make us willing to give away, give away our privileges. He may even sometimes take you through what might seem like a time of not niceness or humiliation because of what others might do. But he subtracts you so that he can increase you. You take any of the guys in the Bible who multiplied, they were always subtracted before they increased. Abraham had his family subtracted his country subtracted, his clan subtracted, his relatives subtracted, Hagar and Ishmael subtracted, but then he increases to the son of promise. There's always a subtraction before an increase. What's a subtraction about? It is to bring you to the core of who you are with nothing else but you and God wrestling at the fort of Jabbok, and now increase happens. You have contended with God and prevailed. Now I will bless you. 
When you are subtracted, you feel in inadequate. You feel inadequate. It is the greatest kingdom feeling on earth. Anytime you feel inadequate, know that you are powerful in the hands of God. Anytime you feel inadequate, know that you are powerful in the hands of God. And Betty, what were you saying? Okay, because you're feeling totally inadequate. Yeah. There's nothing like inadequacy. It's one of the kingdom's greatest strengths. As a leader, if you're inadequate, your people will be blessed. As a leader, if, you're, if you think you're highly adequate, then your people will get the best of you. And that is so sad. Joseph was hated without cause, sold by his brothers for shekels of silver, stripped of his tunic, mocked. It reminds you of someone else who that happened to, right? Jesus. Joseph was hated without cause, sold by his brothers for shekels of silver, stripped of his tunic and mocked, was accused falsely, was considered dead, and he comes back to life. He's a type of Jesus. But then he's subtracted to a point where now there's only him and there is God, and now begins what changes the earth. Humiliation may hurt, but hurt for a little while, and then get up. Because slaves, sla sometimes it is important to be a slave to step into glory. Jesus did it, Joseph did it. Wear it well. Tony still got jet lag. But don't worry, Tony. You're excused for another three days. After that, I'll shout Eutychus. But don't worry, nobody heard, so it's okay. Here's another one. Multiplication is the activity of the Holy Spirit. What, do these kids respond to each other or something? Just take it easy on multiplication, huh? <laughs> Sorry, that just, maybe. Yeah. Multiplication is the activity of the Holy Spirit. Multiplication is the activity of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Guys, here's a simple formula. Inadequacy. Admission. power of the spirit multiplication what do you have to set aside during this process feelings very simple this is the process inadequacy must is not enough we are all actually bankrupt and inadequate only we don't know it Inadequacy must then go into the next phase, which is an admission of it. That I am actually inadequate and bankrupt. And once you go to the admission of it, 
then the spirit, power of the spirit falls because now there's a crevasse that has to be filled or a, or a depression that has to be filled. There's room to flow into. When I'm not willing to admit my inadequacy, pride seals off the depression. But when I'm willing to admit my inadequacy, which I should recognize on a regular basis, especially when it comes to kingdom activity, because it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, then the power of the Spirit comes in. And when the power of the Spirit hits anything, it gives life. And the transference of life of God always multiplies. The thing I have to ignore in this equation is what I feel. Because even when the power of the Spirit is working through me, I might still feel inadequate. I might still feel like I'm not doing a good enough job. I might still feel like nothing happened. And yet, what I don't realize is, I'm just a vessel through whom he is flowing. He's affecting others. And he doesn't care too much whether I'm feeling good or not about it. So many times, you will lead worship and you'll think, ah, tasted like sawdust. But that sawdust was life to somebody else. Oh, that story I always talk about South Africa. The lady writes to me saying, you went up. You sang in a monotone. I was hoping you would sit down. You were spoiling good worship. And it is after that, that she hears the words. And she said, as I listened to the words, I felt God dipping me into a pool of crystal pure water, pulling me out. And for the first time in 10 years, my depression had lifted. Her name is Cecilia. And it's been six, four, five years now, still free. But I literally promised I would never sing like that again because God had let me down. So, ignore your feelings at this stage. Eh? This is where we get stuck. We start feeling. Oh, it wasn't good. Nobody said anything. Nothing happened. This is not working out. Someone else did it better. I wish I could do it like them. That is what pulls you down. Um, multiplication varies in speed. Multiplication varies in speed. As in, for some it may happen in days, others months. You might say, why? Sometimes the need is immediate. Sometimes the need is planned over a period of time. Sometimes a person changes quickly. Sometimes a person takes longer. There are different reasons. We can go over many, many reasons. But when that happens, don't start comparing. Eh? One person may realize multiplication quickly, another might not see it fully. So just be aware of that. Don't compare. Don't compare. You know, I know guys who are aggressive, arrogant, um, ungodly in their speech, and not nice to people, not nice to sometimes their employees. 
But the one thing that they seem to flourish in is great generosity, the kind of generosity that you and I wouldn't even imagine. Giving away not 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%, talking about 60%, 70% being given away. And God just prospers them. And you scratch your head thinking, how does this work? You are living a godly life and nothing is happening. This person lives a relatively ungodly life, but they prosper. We don't know the reasons why. Sometimes God will allow things to go on just because this person's generosity is so widespread that many benefit. Comparison is never complete because you do not know the context. Paul would say this, you don't know the scars on my back. Mel Gibson would say that too. You don't know how many bullet holes I've taken. Um, sorry. It's lethal weapon too, but don't worry about it. Let me conclude because we have to leave. One of the things Joseph does, guys, is he liberates people. He li- Here's what Joseph does. In the year of Joseph, expect this to happen through you. You will stir up in people a discontent and a restlessness. with their life. Because when Joseph was born, when Joseph was born, Jacob got very discontent with continuing in Laban's land. So expect that to happen. When they see your life this year, people will be discontent. There'll be a restlessness saying, "Uh, uh, hey, Echo, Fuyo's there. Everybody, hi, Fuyo. See what happens when you wave Fuyo. So, when jo- so expect this year that your life, your words will make others discontent and restless with their lives. There'll be a restlessness. They'll, it'll be like, I wish I could break out. Expect that. And don't sometimes pounce on them like a tiger, sometimes trap them like uh, a spider. Tiger, spider. Okay. Well, this is on video? Okay. Too bad. Okay, but, but know that you will create... It feels like one of those swinging panda silly monkey movies. Yeah. Anyways, so this will happen through you, so be aware of that. Jacob was content in Laban's land for 14 years, and along comes... Uh, Joseph, and suddenly he says in verse 25, and it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, send me away that I may go unto my own place and to my country. Let me go. That'll happen, eh? Just be aware of that. And live your life out so others can get discontent. Live your life out so others can get discontent. Show your worship so others can get discontent. Exert faith so that others can get discontent. Speak of your father so others can get discontent. Talk about the Christ that you serve so others can get discontent. Talk about your expectations, what you expect, so others can get discontent. Show them the things that God is making new in your life 
so that others can get discontent. Never forget that He has come to make all things new. Show them so that that song may come to pass. I can feel your goodness, I can feel your grace, I receive your mercy, I receive your grace. I delight myself at your table, O oh God. You do all things well. Just look at my life. I assure you guys that there is not a single life here that does not have something to show for what God has done. Take that and show them. There might be 20 really sucky areas in your life, but I assure you, for every 20 areas, there are five good areas. Show them that and hide the rest for now. Last point, Joseph removes reproach. This year, expect that through your life, to remove or take away shame or disgrace from the lives of people. Doesn't matter whether they are Christians or non-Christians, I assure you this will happen. Expect through your life to remove or take away shame or disgrace from the lives of people. Shame or disgrace. And having said that, expect the same for yourself. Expect shame and disgrace or reproach. That's another word that covers it. In your life, to be rolled away. What is it that you feel ashamed about? Is it a physical condition? Is it a spiritual condition? Is it a, uh, is it a mindset condition? Is it a financial condition? What is it? Hallelujah, year of Joseph. It is the year of rolling away of reproaches in our own lives. Conditions of shame, conditions of disgrace, conditions of reproach being rolled away from our lives. And then our lives being used to set others free too. This is the year of Joseph. This is how it works. Before Israel entered the promised land, they stopped at a place called Gilgal, where they were circumcised. And the reason they called that place Gilgal was God saying, listen, I roll away the reproach of 400 years of slavery today. And I have you cross over. Every day from today on, till the 13th of August 2024, may reproaches shed like molting skin from us, church. And then while that is happening, not after it happens, while that is happening, be assured that when you speak to people, their condition of shame or disgrace will be exposed in a way that is so gentle that you'll be able to take it away from them. For some, you'll use a chisel. For others, it'll be just a scalpel. Or for some others, balm. But it will go. God gives these years for the benefit of others. That's why he does this. Yeah. This is the one-off teaching that I thought we'll do so that you know where you're going and what we expect. Let me just pray. Father, we thank you for the year of Joseph.
on behalf of the, us as a people, I voice our gratitude to you, saying thank you for making us fruitful over the next 12 months. It'll be fruitfulness in money, at work, in our lives, just like Deuteronomy 28 said, in the city, in the country, in our bread, in our crops, in our work, in the work of our hands, in our families, with our children, fruitfulness. The second thing, Father, I thank you for is that you will use us to cause a discontent, to stir up discontent and restlessness in people who will say, can I have this too? We, we, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you remind us of this. And thirdly, O oh God, you'll do something that we love doing, taking away the shame and disgrace and the reproach that is upon people and conferring worth on them through us. And while you're doing that, you'll strip me of my shame, my disgrace, my condition of reproach, which is basically a mindset that is so deeply ingrained that it triggers the same response. Take it away from me too, Jesus. This is the year you're giving us. You're inviting us saying, come, can I do this for you? And we as a church said, please, Jesus, this would be awesome. May this church be fruitful. May this church prosper. In body, in soul, in spirit, in money, in fruitfulness spiritually, relationally, financially. Increase in our numbers in every which way, oh God, we desire this. Granted, Spirit, oh God, we don't need to beg for this. It's an invitation. So we step into it, Jesus. We thank you. Father, and as we go, we just pray that as Prashant and yet you go, that your hand of protection will be upon them as they travel. That'll be a time of strengthening for them, a time of strengthening relationally and spiritually. So we bless them as they go now. We thank you for this place you've given us for two months. And we as a church are particularly grateful for the sound guys, for Evan, for Brandon, and what Evan is doing in this regard, Lord. It's a huge thing. And we open our eyes and recognize. And so we bless him, Father. Bless him, Father. May this, these two months be so fruitful in the lives of these guys who make it possible for us. This is what we pray now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Please help with uh, dismantling. Uh, the only ones who are spared are anyone who's been married in